Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. This is Joanne Wilson, co-pastor at Cool Church. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we want you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message. So if you got your Bibles, turn to Mark. If you don't know where that is, flip to the New Testament. That's the second half of the Bible. Matthew, Mark, second book of the New Testament. I don't assume that everybody knows everything about the Bible, because I know I don't, but I'm still learning in Jesus' name. Amen? Mark chapter 4, um, verse 7, and then I want you to put your finger on Mark chapter 4, verses 18 uh, through 19. I'm not going to read the entire parable to you, but I will summarize it at the appropriate time. But I'm going to read a specific verse out of the parable, and then I'm going to read Jesus's explanation of that specific verse uh, to his disciples. We started a series last week called In the Weeds. Who was here last week for the beginning of In the Weeds? Woo! I, I, praise God. <laughs> I, I love it because God has allowed us to be in the season to grow with the weeds. And I'm thankful. Sometimes we want to complain about the weeds of our life, don't we? But I'm thankful for the weeds because God has allowed me to grow with the weeds to give me enough time to grow differently. I don't want to grow the way the weeds grow. I want to grow differently. I want to distinguish myself. I want to separate myself. And I thank God for the weeds because if God pulls up the weeds too early, he might uproot me in a season of growth. So he allows the weeds to stay with us to see how we're going to grow in spite of the weeds. Amen? Quick summary from last week just in case you missed it. But today we're in Mark chapter 4 verse 7 and it reads something like this. I'll be reading out of the NIV. If you got your Bibles, hold them up. Let me see. Come on. Let me see. Hold them up. Hold them. Man, put them phones down. I'm just kidding. Use your phones. I used to bag on people with phones. Use the app. We have all the notes in the app. I hope you're using your app. Every note that I'm going to go over today is in the app, and there's a little fill in the blanks for you. It makes it fun. So you have to, like, focus on everything I'm saying because the notes are right there for you. But hope you have your Bible. I love those good old leather-bound Bibles, man. Nothing like them. You can take notes in them as well. Uh, Mark 4, verse 7 says, Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Mark 4, 18 through 19 says, Here's Jesus' explanation of what I just said. It says, still others, like the seed sown among the thorns, heard the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. I'm going to read verse 19 again, and I want you to underline verse 19. It says, but the worries of this life the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Today, if you're taking notes on this second part of In the Weeds, I've entitled it this, The Seed in the Thorns. The Seed in the Thorns. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. For this is the day that you have made, God, let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, I thank you that before the earth began to spin on this axis, you knew each and every human that would be here in this moment and each and every one that will watch online. I pray that I lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. God, I pray 
that hearts, minds, and ears will be open and receptive to a word that will always be about Jesus. God, I pray that by the time this thing is all said and done, I pray for the one that needs to hear this word the most. The one. The one. Because I know heaven rejoices when one comes home. God, we thank you. We praise you. Help us to continue to grow and bear fruit in the weeds. In Jesus' name. And everyone says? Everyone said? Take about five seconds and give Jesus a shout of praise. Come on. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, uh, sound man in the back, help me out, man. Y'all give it up for our production team. Just cut me down the monitors a little bit. But can we give it up for the folks that came here early to serve? Thank y'all. Give it up for the band one time. Y'all are awesome. I'm going to call y'all back. Don't go too far too fast. Can I drink some water? Parched. That was good. Okay. <laughs> Let me give you a kind of a brief rundown of the, of the parable, the passage from the parable that I read to you in Mark. This was a parable of Jesus. Jesus uh, told things in parables because he knew that when he spoke in parables, there were things about the kingdom that were secret that he was not ready to reveal, but he did want his disciples to have the information on. He also knew when he spoke in parables, everybody would connect to the parable um, depending on their, their life perspective. And he talked a lot about things that people would understand based upon their livelihood, like farming. That was a major livelihood at the time. So he spoke in these parables that spoke about such things to be able to not just connect uh, with people, but he, he used to give hidden messages about the kingdom of God in these parables. And still too hot. <laughs> Uh, in the weeds, as we've talked about, is, is about growing in difficult places. Um, the verses um, from the parable that I read to you are a parable called the parable of the sower, the person that plants the seed. And we, we've heard this parable if you've been in church all your life like me, but if you haven't been, it talks about seed that is scattered in four different places. The first seed that is scattered by the sower, the person that sows or plants seed. Um, as he spreads the seed, the first place that the seed falls is on the pavement. It's on the pathway. Um, the problem with the pathway is that the seed lands on the pathway, but it cannot germinate and it cannot take root. And immediately the birds, they fly in when they see the seed fall and they eat the seed. This seed represents the people that hear the word, but immediately reject it because the enemy swoops in and steals them. It doesn't matter how good I preach the word or, or how good anybody preaches the word or how many times the word is offered. There are some people that no matter what will reject the word of God. But this is also um, a blessing in disguise because I know it doesn't sound good, but it also allows me to know that Jesus died for people that he knew would reject him and he did it anyway. That's a picture of grace. There's folks that will hear the word and immediately reject it. Jesus loves them too, and so should you. Then there's the seed that falls among the rocks. The seed germinates, it sprouts, but it cannot take roots because it cannot penetrate the soil because of the rocks. This represents the person that hears the word, 
They believe the word, but when the rough times or the rocky times come because they cannot dig roots to penetrate, to fortify them in their faith, as soon as tough times and trials come, they abandon the word because they were never able to dig roots. The seed that I want to talk about today, there's also the fourth seed, which is the seed that's planted in fertile soil that continues to grow. How many of y'all, how many of y'all say, I'm planted in fertile soil today? Come on, I like that. There's another seed that's actually planted in fertile soil, but the Bible doesn't describe it that way. It talks about this seed as the seed that falls among the thorns. Well, we may not like thorns, but thorns are plants, and thorns have to grow as well. So the, the soil that those seeds fall in is fertile soil, and there may be things growing there, but just because we don't like the things that are growing there does not mean that the certain, the, the, <laughs> the certain is not foil. The, <laughs> the soil is not fertile. Just because we don't like what's being planted there does not mean that the soil is not fertile. You see, this seed, it germinates. This seed, it takes root. But as it begins to grow, the thorns grow around what is being produced by this fertile soil. And though this, this seed grows to a point, the Bible says that this seed, it doesn't say that it doesn't grow. It says that this seed is not fruitful. The thorns stop the seed from producing fruit. The enemy's desire is to deceive you, distract you, and deter you from bearing the fruit of God's word. Some, some people, he tries to stop from hearing the word, but how many of you know you cannot stop the word of God from going out? When the word goes forth, it never returns void. Everybody may not receive it, but somebody always does. The word will go out. And the enemy, if he can't get you to reject the word, you know what he wants to do? Stop you from bearing the fruit of the word. See, some of you may be growing, and some of you may feel stifled in your growth, and some of you may have never bared fruit as a believer, and the enemy has you trapped in the weed. In this season where things are growing, good things and bad things, you got to be focused on bearing the fruit of God's word in your life. I always tell people, man, that's why the word says, hide the word in your heart so you do not sin against God. What, is, what does that mean? God wants the word to penetrate and permeate so deep in your soul that you don't just read the word, you begin to look like it. There are believers that have grown, but, but, but some, some believe, they, they believe, but they resist change. When you resist change, you, you resist bearing any fruit. I got to ask you, in this season, in this fall season, this is known as the harvest season, what is the focus of your growth in this season? See, as believers, we got to focus on protecting God's word growing in us at all cost. I, I, I know there's a lot of things you think are important, but nothing right now in this season or any season in your life is more important than protecting the word of God growing in you. You must protect it at all costs. 
Because the truth of the matter is there's those of us who've responded to the word. We've grown. We've even planted roots. It's like, man, I show up to church. But you have yet to bear any fruit. You feel stagnant. You're like, man, why, why can't you just get to this next level? Like, like even in worship, like you ain't at hands raised level yet. You at Frisbee level. Like you comfortable right here. It's like, I made it here. I'm making progress. That's cool. That's cute. That's cute. But eventually, we, we're trying to get you to full surrender. Because worship is not about you and how you feel. It's about God and how he makes you feel. <laughs> Some of us are stuck. In a, and, and listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to come. Like, I've been, I've, I've, I've been there. there. There's times where I am there with you. It's like, God, I'm just trying to get to the next level in this thing. But the same stuff keeps holding me back. I feel like my growth is stagnant. And, and, and here's, here's, here's the reality. Because you're trying to grow spiritually, there's always going to be something that is competing for your spirit. Every time you try to grow the thing that is eternal, there's something that wants to take what you are trying to cultivate to a place you never wanted to go. There's always something that is vying for your spiritual attention. It may look like a physical thing, but it's actually trying to attain your spiritual attention. There's so many things competing for your attention in this season because life happens. I don't care how much you make. I don't care how much you know. I don't care what you do. Life's going to happen to you. It happens to the best of us. And when life happens, you need to have enough spiritual awareness to know that something is vying for your spiritual attention. I mean, we could talk about it, right? Like, there's always something vying for your attention. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's kids. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's school. Maybe it's the news. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's conspiracy theorists. Maybe it's activists. Maybe it's politics. Maybe it's fear culture. Maybe it's cancel culture. Maybe it's finance. Maybe it's mourning loss. Maybe it's pandemic PTSD. The list goes on and on and on. There's always something that wants your spiritual attention. What are you focused on? You need to be able to identify what is competing for your spiritual growth. You gotta be able to identify. See, today, I wanna take a moment to identify the thorns that may be growing around you and acknowledge ways to overcome them through the word of God growing in you. Can we do that today? Three things, I promise you it won't take long. The first is this. The first thorn that you gotta worry about or the first weed is the thorn of worry. That thorn of worry wants your attention so, so bad. And we'll do anything to have it. Look at what Mark 4, 19 says. I'm going to use this verse three different times, and there's three different things I'm going to pull out of it because it shows you when you lean into God's word and you try to decipher and get revelation from God's word, there's so much in every line, so much in every verse. Some of you are like, oh, i got to read ten chapters before God shows me anything. He can show you one thing in one word. Look at this. Mark 4, 19. Underline this first part. But the worries of life. Stop. <laughs> the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word out, making it unfruitful. So the first thing that tries to steal the attention from your spiritual growth is the worries of life. The thorns of worry. 
Thorns of worry, the reason that they're a problem for you and you got to be able to identify them, because thorns of worry will cause you to doubt the word of God. That's what they do. See, if we're honest, we all have doubts about so much today. Anybody got some doubts about some things? Sorry, don't try to be over spiritual. I got, I got it. Some things I have doubts about sometimes. Like, uh, we, we, some of us doubt, like, if we'll ever get back to normal. I don't want to get back to normal. I want to get to new. Some of us doubt... Uh, if we'll ever get a job again, maybe you lost a job. He's just like, man, God, God, God are you going to open up another door of opportunity for me? Um, some of us doubt if we'll ever pay off these student loans. I'm trying to take a class every year. I'll never pay them back. <laughs> Biden, forgive them. But we know not what we did when we took out that loan. <laughs> Will we ever get over the pain of losing someone? I've done more funerals in this last 19 months than I had in 15 years of ministry. Will we ever get over the pain of the loss? I doubt it. I, I doubt. Will I ever be in another meaningful relationship? Will, will I ever be in a relationship? Will I ever be successful? Or will I ever just be happy? Someone's been walking around with depression and anxiety. It's like, man, will I ever be happy again? You got doubts. And you worry about it. And we've heard the word. Listen to what I'm saying. We've heard the word about worry for so long. We know it by heart and we still have doubts. Before I got up here, a young lady who was an awesome member and staff member of our church, Yadi got up here and read to you the exact same verses that I'm about to read to you right now about worry. Before I even read the verse, you already heard the word about worry. And we didn't even plan it because God wants you to hear it. He constantly wants you to hear it. So I'm going to read it to you again so you can hear it again. Because we've heard it before. Some of us can recite it as I'm about to say it. Matthew 6, 25 through 30. Therefore, I tell you, these are the words of Jesus. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body. What it is you will wear uh, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. Do they not? So they do not sow or reap or store away in barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? You see how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? This is what Jesus was trying to say. He's like, man, you, you ain't got no faith, man. You're, you're doubting and you're worrying because you lack faith. The truth is worry is rooted, doubt is rooted in a lack of faith. Let's call it what it is. It's a spiritual thing. When you worry, it shows that there is a lack of faith. And if you have... Here's something very practical that I have a tendency to do because I read God's word a lot and I read passages a lot and they get very repetitive to me at times. I've been in church since I was a little kid because my mom made sure I was there at all times and then I found God myself and now I keep myself in God's house. So I've heard this passage probably preached at least 150,000 times in my entire life. I've heard this word before like a lot 
of you. But here's something very practical that you can do if you find your spiritual growth stagnant and you find yourself like me because you've heard the word so much. If you have a hard time having faith with what the word said, remember and have faith in what the word has already done. I want somebody to catch that. Because we hear it so much, it's like, yeah, I heard that before. Okay, fine. What is the word done? What is the word? Can you remember that? Because if you remember that, that can fortify your faith. Like every time you fix your mind to worry about something and you know what the word of God says, don't even focus so much on what God's word said. Focus so much on what God's word did. Some of you worry about where your next meal is going to come from, but God has never allowed you to starve a day in your life. Like, you worried about food and you know you ate yesterday? Like, 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 we live in America, man. I can understand people in third world countries that really don't know where their next meal is going to come. But, like, we, we sit up in here, we took a shower, we got dressed, we got our hair did, and you worry about where your next meal is going to come from? He did it yesterday. What makes you think he's not going to do it again today? So, so some of us are worried about a job that we might have just lost when it wasn't even the first job that we've ever had. He got you a job before, didn't he? What makes you think that he can't do it again? You better be thankful you lost that job because that just means he got a better one lined up for you. And some of y'all are like, well, my next job wasn't as good as my last job. Maybe it ain't the next one. Maybe it's the one after. But always know that God has something better. Stop being petty with God. Well... Some of you worried about your marriage and complain about how your partner is now, but forget at one point in your life, that was the person you prayed to God for. You better figure your marriage out and make it work. That person was a miracle, not, not in your misery. How soon we forget what God had done for you. I need a word. He showed you the word. You need to start looking at it that way again. Stop looking, at, stop looking at your blessing like a curse. I'm gonna leave that with somebody because somebody need that one there. So, so, some us, some us, this, this me, this, this me. I'm gonna just be honest. So, this, this me. I mean, God's helped my spirit, but this, this was me for a long time, especially in the in the in the in the depths of the pandemic when we wasn't meeting in rooms like this. Some of us worry if church will ever be full again when this ain't the first time the church has been persecuted and it ain't going to be the last. And the church has endured for century after century. If God did it before when they were burning Christians at the stake, he could do it now when they try to close our buildings because the church was never about a building. The church was never built on a facility. The church was built on living stones. You and me and we're Wherever we are, God is. If you believe it, say amen. What are we worried about? If he did it before, oh, come on, somebody. You, you know the song. If he said it, I believe it. If he said it, because if he don't do one more thing for me, I'm thankful for what he's done. It's enough. I can look back on what he did, and I know that he'll do it again. 
If, or if what God's word says is not enough to convince you, remember what God's word has done and allow it to ground you in your faith. Never allow the thorns of worry to make you doubt what the word of God is capable of doing. Amen? Secondly, the other thorns that try to vie for your attention are the thorns of deceit. The thorns of deceit. Look at Mark 4.19. What the worries of this life. We did that. The deceitfulness of wealth. Underline that. And the desires for other things come up and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Thorns of deceit cause you to believe that the word is not enough. I love it. It says the deceitfulness of, of, of wealth. These thorns, these weeds can make you believe that God is not enough to sustain you. So you strive to sustain yourself by what you can attain rather than what he can provide. This is what this is what the deceit of wealth is. I need more, 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 more. I need more because I, I, I need I need it. I, I need I need more. This is about your needs. People try to attain wealth because they think they need more than they actually do to survive. And this is what the thorn of deceit will do to you. I'm going to keep going with Matthew 6, 31 through 33 that Yachty read earlier. It says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Verse 32, for the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows, he knows that you what? Need them. Doesn't say he knows that you want them. He says, hey, God knows what you need. Some of y'all be talking to God like he don't know what you need. He knows what you need because he allowed you to be in this situation to see how you was going to grow differently. God knows what you need, but seek ye first. This is clear because if you don't say this verse right, then the theology about it is wrong. It doesn't say seek ye first the kingdom. It says seek ye first his kingdom. Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. Before kingdom and righteousness is his. It tells about who those things belong to. So it's not telling me to necessarily seek those things. It's telling me to seek who those things belongs to. <laughs> seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given unto you as well. The verse is telling us that God knows what he needs and only non-believers run after what they think they need, not who they need. When you don't really dig into this, when you're not going to this word, you're going to chase after stuff not an individual. I, I'll never forget, man, like me and my wife, we dated for eight years before we were married. Now, truth is, first time I saw her, I was like, whew, all right, God, I'm good. <laughs> we can pause right here. Um, but I was a kid right out of high school, just got to college, just met this girl, and I had some things that I wanted to do first. Like one was being get my education. So um, that took about five years to do. Um, so that, that, that time is accounted for. Now, there was three years after that that we were still waiting. Now, I know what some of y'all think, why you took so long to marry that girl? Because as fine as she is, as smart as she is, as amazing as she is, there's some things in my mind as a man that I thought I needed to get first before I married her. So I said, all right, I, I, I love her. I'm going to marry her. I know I'm like, it wasn't even a doubt. Like, I, I wasn't even like, 
oh, I don't know if she's the one. I knew she was the one. The thing that stopped me is that I thought I had to get some stuff first. I was like, ah, I can't marry her till I get the, the right car. I can't marry her till I'm in the right career. I can't marry her till I have a certain amount of money in the bank account. I cannot marry her till I have a house that I could, could be like perfectly laid out for her. And then, after I got all this stuff, then I could marry her. It took me so long to marry the love of my life because I thought I needed stuff to be happy with her more than I needed her. When I realized that pursuing the house, the car, the career, and the money wouldn't keep our relationship together, but being together would keep our relationship together, I chose her over what I thought I needed. I want somebody to really hear that today and understand how this relates to the kingdom. You see, at one point in our relationship, I was choosing provision over a person. I, I, want, I want somebody to care because this will, this will bless somebody's life, man. I was choosing provision over the person. This is why Jesus says what he says in Matthew 6.33. But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given unto you as well. Jesus is saying don't be deceived by the deceit of wealth because it can't add anything better to your life than me. This is what Jesus is telling us and I need somebody to understand and know that we must choose the person of Jesus before we choose the provision of Jesus. Some of us have this so out of order. You want God to provide me, for, but you don't have any relationship with him for him to provide for you. Choose the person of Jesus. Jesus is saying, do you desire me more than what I can do for you? Some people only want Jesus because of what he can do. He says, like, let me say, Jesus wants to be wanted. Jesus wants to be with people that actually want to. That's, this is what I love about Jesus. Jesus doesn't force himself on you. He wants you to want him. Will you choose the person of Jesus before the provision of Jesus? Because if you continually choose the person of Jesus, he's always going to provide for you in such a way so that you know you don't have to add anything to be happy with him. All you need is him. This is why in times that are crazy, I'm like, man, all I need is Jesus. You hear the old saints say that, and we laugh at them as young folks. They don't know what you're talking about. He ain't walking with you. They don't even see Jesus. Then. Don't worry, child. Child, all I need is Jesus. The old now I'm getting, I'm, I'm understanding. I don't need a bunch of stuff. I don't need a big old house. I don't need the perfect car. All I need is Jesus, and everything is going to be all right. Because if I got Jesus, he's going to give me all the stuff that I need. But not only will he give me all the stuff that I need, he's going to give me more than what I was looking for. The moment I decided to choose that girl over the stuff, everything that we have attained in the last 14 years of marriage is better than anything that I thought that I needed to court her in the first place because I chose the person over the provision. Jesus says, I need you to choose me and I will provide because I am Jehovah Jireh. I will give you everything that you need. 
Don't choose the provision of Jesus over the person of Jesus. Stop believing the lie of the thorns of deceit that make you feel like you need more to make a relationship with Jesus work. I just need this, and then I get saved. God, cut that out. Get saved. No Jesus. Now. No way. Last thing. Ben, come back up. Last thing that tries to vie for your spiritual attention are the thorns of desire. This is the one right here. Thorns of desire, man. Mark 4.19. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it what? Unfruitful. Your desires can make you unfruitful. Thorns of desire can cause you to want other things more than the word. You see, the deceitfulness of wealth will make you think that you need other things. But your desires cause you to want other things more than the word. I, I, I was actually excited because the other day... Um, MTV put out a show that they hadn't shown since I was a teenager. They restarted the show MTV Cribs. Yeah, it's crazy. It was crazy. I, was, I remember watching it as a kid. I was like, yo, this is crazy. What is MTV Cribs? What is crazy? <laughs> Apparently, I guess with the pandemic, you know, everybody been in their houses, so they thought it was cool to show, like, how celebrities been doing the pandemic, like, how they, how they living. Man, I was watching this show, man. I was just getting inspired, man. Like, I ain't a hater. Like, I'm happy when other people got stuff. I saw Martha Stewart's house. You know, I saw that one too. She, Martha living on, Martha, my, the, the octaves in my voice going to change when I said, Martha living on 157 acres. 157 acres. I got a house. My house ain't even sitting on a quarter acre. It's, it's like, it's, it's like, like, it's like, it's like, it's like 8,500 square feet, the, the lot. Martha is living on 157 acres. Multiple houses. The, bar, the barn for Martha's horses were bigger than mine. Horses living better than me, man. Horse burr, living better than me. Where some of y'all get y'all hair from? Burr, living better than me. 157 acres, man. And I had a hair. I was like, man, Martha got it, man. Martha killing it. I went to the kitchen. I started trying to learn how to cook right there. I was like, Martha killing it. And then, and then, like, it ain't just the houses, though. And, like, it made me start thinking. I was like, man, I want a house one day. Like, I want, I want like, a movie theater in my house. I like watching movies. How many of y'all want a movie theater in your house? Don't try to be all safe. Like, no, those are the desires of the world. I want a movie theater in my house. Some of y'all too saved, man. <laughs> Martha had a pool. Like, I want, I want, I want a pool. I want, I want, how many of y'all, like, want a pool? Some of y'all got a pool. How many of y'all want a pool? I want a pool. Some of y'all get too saved, man. Jesus would never swim in the pool. He would walk on it. Some of y'all, some of y'all too saved, man. Man. So I was like, man, I'm, I'm starting to think about it. I'm like on Zillow. I'm like, man, let me let me see what's available. One no 157 acres available on Zillow. I can tell you that much. Now I start seeing the cars. Start seeing all these people with cars. I'm like, what is that car? One of these celebs had my favorite car of all time. 
fellas and ladies, car enthusiasts, I want y'all to get excited. My favorite car of all time, this is called my Mama I Made It car, okay? I know when I get this car, it's like I made it for real. It's my Mama I Made It car. It is a 1967 Shelby GT Mustang Fastback. Oh, my gosh. When I get that, that's Eleanor from Gone in 60 Seconds, by the way. If you ever see me pull up in there, you're like, hey, Pastor made it. You ever, and I ain't going to try to hide from y'all neither. Let me be modest and park in the back so they don't see it. I'm parking right up front. I made it. Mama, I made it. I'm seeing these. I'm like, man. I'm like, man, I want, I want cool stuff too, man. Like, like, I don't ever hate on anybody when they have something dope. Like, I don't. I'm, I'm like excited for people. But let me be honest, man. As a believer, I got desires. How many of y'all got desires? Stop acting like you don't. Because we all do. You got desires? Here's what I want to tell you about desires. Desire is not the problem. There's nothing wrong with having desires. Desire is not the problem. It's the order of what you desire. Desire is not a problem. It's the order of it. Because anything you desire above God is an idol. Nothing wrong with desire, just the order. If I want that Mustang above God, then the Mustang God must go. If I want that mansion above God, then the mansion God must go. It's not your desire. It is the order. You see, for Romans 125 says it like this. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Paul says this. They worshiped and served the created things rather than the creator. Man has gotten to a place where we worship the creative things. The created thing, the car. The created things, the house. The created things, the job. The created things, the bank account. More than the creator of those things. Some of us have submitted to the God of desire instead of the God of the Bible and want the created things more than the creator of those things. Ask yourself, what do you want more than God? That's a, that's a, that's, that, you know what that is? That's an accountability question. That's an honest inventory question. I have to ask myself that all the time. Is there anything in my life that I desire more than God now? I need to get that in check. Whatever that is, I need to get that in check. Don't let the weed of desire make you want something more than you actually need God. I'm going to say it again. Don't, don't let the weed of desire make you want something more than you actually need God. You say, what are you talking about, man? Because I see people all the time living above their means for things that will bring them no closer to God. What you talking about, Pastor? Like, you may need clothes, but you want Louis Vuitton or Gucci. I ain't mad at either one of those things. I want some Louis or Gucci. You may look cute, but it don't bring you any closer to God. Go to Sawgrass uh, Mall today and stand outside at a Gucci store. There's always a line. <laughs> like, That's true. Yep. You may need a house. But you want a mansion. This is desire. There's nothing wrong with that. But do you want that more than God? Like, 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 
It's, it's just you. You, you want to five, five, 5,000 square feet? It's just you. How many toilets you need? You living above your means trying to impress folk. They ain't impressed. Let me tell you what's really not going to impress them. You being broke. And you asking them for a place to stay because you defaulted on your loan because you tried to do something that you shouldn't have done. I'll see y'all getting quiet because some of you are like, man, you talking about me today. That ain't even cool. You may need a car, but you want a G-Wagon. I, I want one too. But let me give you some practical advice. Never buy a car you can't afford the maintenance on. That's the book of Terrence Wilson. Chapter 1, verse 1. Don't be dumb. I got this G-Wagon. As soon as that thing breaks down, you got to leave it at the side of the road because you can't afford to fix the engine. Sit down somewhere with that. You can't afford the engine or the insurance. Oh, my goodness. You may need a spouse, but you want Idris Alba and Halle Berry. You want tall, dark, and handsome when you need short, consistent, and faithful. Because tall, dark, and handsome with you, you, and you. You might not like short, consistent, and faithful, but he's going to love you with the love of the Lord. Fellas, I'm just trying to help us out. I'm, I'm sure, okay? I'm trying to help us out, fellas. I'm trying to help us out. The only thing that stops the thorns of desire from overtaking you is a life of contentment. It's the only thing. So how do you know that? Because the Bible tells me so. I love what Philippians 4, 12 through 13 says. It says, this is Paul writing this. One likely he wrote it from a prison. The apostle Paul in prison didn't promise a life of luxury as a believer. But he says, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret to being content in every situation. You want to know what it is? He said, I learned the secret. I love Paul, man, dropping jewels. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Verse 13 is the secret. Are you ready for it? Some of you have read this verse your entire life and didn't realize Paul was giving you the secret to being content. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the King James. That's how we used to hearing it, right? So I'm going to read the NIV because I think it's going to make the secret clear because you're like, Wait, you talking about you know what it is to be in need and you know what it is to have it all and you got the secret to being content and you talking about I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Look at what he says. He says, I can do all this. This is why you got to read verses in context. People take that verse out of context all the time. They take that verse, I can do anything in Christ Jesus. True, but that's not what he was saying. That's not what he was saying at all. Some of you see, like when I preach, sometimes I be teaching and I be losing people. So should I teach it, Yari? Okay, I'm going to teach it. Here we go. Look at it. It says, it says, I can do all, I can do all this. What is this? 
I can be content in every situation. I can be good whether well-fed or hungry. I can be good whether living in plenty or in want through him who gives me strength. Oh, when you read that verse in context, you get a whole nother perspective. And I love it because he's letting us know that it's who he is that allows us to be content when we got it, when we don't got it. When we're hungry, when we're well fed. When we got what we want, when we don't got what we want. He's saying, if you got me, you got it all. That is the secret to living a life of contentment. Because Paul knew there's always bigger. There's always better. But if you want the best, you need Jesus. You can always get bigger. You can always get better. But bigger and better can't hold a candle to best. You want to be content? You don't need bigger. You want to be content? You don't need better. You want to be content? You need the best. You need Jesus. Because it's through him. I can do all things through him. I can be content in him. Jesus. This is what the Bible is telling us because there's nothing better. There's nothing bigger. There's nothing more worth wanting than him because without him, you will never be content. This is why people live their life with a paper chase and never feel content because there is a God-shaped hole in them that money cannot fill, another relationship cannot fill, a mansion cannot fill. You can try to fill it with whatever you want, but the hole is made in the size and the shape of Jesus. And when Jesus is in there, he is not the bigger fit. He's not the better fit. He is the best fit for your life. With him, you can have the best of everything. That's why he says, I am the bread of life. Jesus can sustain you when nothing else can. That's why he says, I am the light of the world that will light the path to your purpose. That's why he says, I am the gate. Jesus is the border that will lead you to green pastures. Jesus will literally take you to where the grass is greener. Jesus is. He says, I am the good shepherd because he cares for us. He searches for us. He protects us. He says, I am the resurrection. Truth be told, you are not lost without Christ. You are dead without Christ. But we serve the God that is on a perfect person to bring dead things back to life. For he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man gets to the Father except through me. But he also says this, I am the vine. Why does he say I'm the vine? Because when you're connected to Jesus, no matter what thorns surround you, you will produce fruit in every season. If you believe it, say amen. Some of y'all looking for all this stuff when all you need is Jesus. Because if you got Jesus, you got everything. I'm not worried about what I desire to have next because the desire on the top of my list is Jesus. Because when I got him, I got the best. And the best is yet. 
With every head bowed, every eye closed, my call is simple. I'm not even asking you if you need Jesus. I'm going to ask him, do you want him? You out there today, you say, Pastor Terrence, I want the best. I want Jesus. Because if I got Jesus, I got everything I will ever need. I know there's some folks that have fallen to the deceit of wealth. I know there's some folks whose growth have been stifled because of worry. I know there's some folks whose growth have been stifled because of their desires. But I'm here to tell you, if you desire Jesus today, he will be everything you need because he says, I am. He's everything you need. If you're out there today, you're in this room or you're watching online, you say, I want Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I want the best life that he has for me. You cannot have that life without Jesus. On the count of three, you want the best. You want Jesus, I want you to raise your hand boldly. Don't worry about who's around you. They're not going to take your place in judgment when that time comes. You want the best in your life. You want Jesus. You don't need, yeah, we already know you need him. Do you want him? On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. Here we go. One, two, three. Hold it up. High enough and long enough for me to see it. Hold it up. I see you and 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 you. Hallelujah. Do me a favor. You already did the hard part. If your hand's up, stand up. If your hand's up, stand up. Come on. Come on. Hands up, stand up. Don't be scared. I want him. I want him. I want him. I want him. Do me a favor. Come down to this altar. Let me pray with you, man. Don't worry about what other people are doing. This is about you. Come on. Come on. Everybody stand. Everybody stand. Come. Come. Say, I don't want nothing more than Jesus. Come on. Hallelujah. Yeah, I see you. Hallelujah. You can keep coming if you're coming. I always, I, I try to say this every week because I want to make sure. You're like, Pastor, I want him, but like I'm scared, man. People are going to see me. That's the whole point. If you deny God in front of man, you can't be surprised when Jesus denies you in front of his father. Don't be scared. Be bold. I see you, sis. I see you. So I want you to do this because we a family at Cool Church. You ain't got to be ashamed. I, I, Hey, let me, I had to do this walk a few times because I know me. <laughs> so if you're out there and you say, man, I want Jesus and I'm scared, look at your neighbor right now and say, hey, if you're scared, I'll go with you. If they say, yeah, just grab them and walk them down here real quick. Just, just real quick. Look at your neighbor. Say, you're scared, I'll go with you. Now look at your other neighbor, the one you ain't like because you picked them second. Say, say, if you're scared, I'll go with you. If they say, if they say yeah, just grab them and walk I don't want to pressure. I don't want to. Listen. I want, I want to have the confidence to know that the folks in this room going to heaven. I want to make sure I did my job in Jesus' name. Amen? Awesome. Here's what you do. Reach your hands towards these folks right now. Here's what I'm going to ask for all y'all down here. If you're down here, look at me. Look at me. Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, he is raised from the dead, you're saved. Confess, believe. Confess, believe. Nobody can take that away from you. I promise you, because you're choosing the person of Jesus over the provision of Jesus, he's going to provide for you in ways you never imagined in your life. I promise you that. Do me a favor. Just raise your hands. Say, why I'm raising? Sign of surrender. God, I'm all yours. Everybody in this room and online, same goes for you. 
Repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. I've sinned. I've sinned. I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it. But I admit it. But I admit it. Today. Today. I lay my sin down. I lay my sin down. Take it. I pray. Take it. I pray. I don't want it anymore. I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven. I reach to heaven. To receive your forgiveness. To receive your forgiveness. And take the place of my sin. Take the place of my sin. I ask, I ask that you would accept me. To accept me. And to your wonderful family. To wonderful family. Today. 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 I give my life. I give my life. Completely to you. Completely to you. I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 I'm so proud of y'all. Here's what I want you to do. Real simple. When people make a decision, I want to make sure that we're thorough. Um, so I got some folks that just want to chat with you real quick. If you got questions about what happened, because it's hard to get all this in a message, right? They can answer any questions if you want prayer to have it, but I got a gift for you. I want to make sure you get the gift. Okay? See that sign right there? It says, welcome to the family. That's what you are. Not only are you part of the family of the church, you're part of a better family than that, the family of heaven. If I could open up the ceiling and show you, the Bible says when one comes back to the Father, there's a celebration. If you could see what they're doing in heaven for y'all right now, if you could see the angels are dancing, man, they done laid out a spread you've never seen in your life. They singing songs about you right now because you came back. So I can't show you. I can help you hear what it sounds like. On the count of three, y'all going to turn that way and walk with my dear sister Katie with that welcome to the family sign. She's gonna make sure you get the gift. If you came with them, they're not being raptured. You'll find them in the lobby after, I promise. Um, but here's what I need y'all to do. And I need y'all on. I need y'all to clap and scream like you never, when I, when, I give you the, when I give you the signal, all right? You're gonna scream like never before because I want y'all to hear what heaven possibly sounds like right now because of what y'all did. If you're online, start hitting those hearts, start hitting those likes, start clapping, start putting stuff in the chat on the count of three. Here we go, y'all ready? We're going to turn up like heaven. Here we go. One, two, three. Go. Let them know. Let them know how much God loves them. Let them know that their sons and daughters are the most high God. Let them know. Let them know. Come on. Thank you so much for listening. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you've heard, please consider sharing it with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And always remember that you were created out of love.